Welcome to the Coworking Out Loud podcast, an exploration into storytelling, community, and the art of being human. Welcome to episode 17 of the Coworking Out Loud podcast. I'm your host, Kat Johnson. This week I spoke with Tara Everett from Canoe Coworking. Tara's creating an indigenous co-working space in Manitoba, a Canadian prairie province. A powerhouse of energy and enthusiasm for co-working and community, Tara is working to create a space that supports and honors her indigenous roots and traditions while furthering local opportunities and awareness about co-working. Tara and I chatted about her vision for Canoe, her own challenges around entrepreneurship and bringing a new project into the world, and the importance of building community before opening the doors to a space. Let's dive in. Hey, Tara, welcome to the Coworking Out Loud podcast. How's it going? Good, Kat. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for taking the time. You know, I think some people listening to this already probably have an idea of what you're doing with Canoe Coworking, but let's take a few steps back for people who might not be looped in. Will you just start with the big picture. What is it that you want to do with Canoe? Sure. So I'm an Indigenous person living in Canada. And what that means is that um, t- in Canada specifically, the Indigenous people faced quite a few barriers in their past just with the history of colonization. And so my goal through Canoe Coworking is to empower and inspire Indigenous people and their allies to contribute to the economy through business and socioeconomic. And what is, what is Manitoba like? Um, will you give me an overview? Like, who do, you, um, who do you see becoming members of the space? Who is it that you, you most want to support? Yeah, so in Canada, we're divided by provinces and territories. Manitoba is a province right in the middle of Canada, so we're considered a prairie province. And we actually, here in Winnipeg, which is our capital, we have uh, the highest percentage of urban Indigenous population in Canada for major city centers. So I hope to encourage, there's a huge international trade hub here, and not only Indigenous people that might be traveling to and from their communities or based out of Winnipeg, but also allies and people that might be traveling to and from Winnipeg for its many different reasons. You know, it feels like there's a huge need there. And last I heard, Canoe was going to be the second Indigenous-focused co-working space. Is that is that still where where we're at? So I've done more intense research because apparently we're very hard to find. But uh, I'm looking at an expectation of about five worldwide. So I will be the first in Manitoba to be Indigenous-owned and operated and the third in Canada. And aside from, um, I mean, your culture, your tradition, I'd love to hear your vision for the space. Like, what does an Indigenous-focused co-working space look like? My vision is based primarily, of course, like you said, cultures and traditions, but it's also to be welcoming for people who don't necessarily know that there is a difference in business uh, etiquette or changes, laws, both ways. So that could be an Indigenous person looking to do business outside of, let's say, their stereotypical market or vice versa, where we have somebody who identifies as an Indigenous ally who wants to work with our communities but doesn't know how to do that in the right way to respect our rights as Indigenous people. So it's this real balance of 
what's best for the communities and the members versus what we want to see our impact in long, long term. It's such an important kind of big responsibility there. Um, I know that you're <laughs> fully engaged and embedded. I've been watching you do this for, I want to say, I mean, over a year, over a year. Yeah, definitely. And you have so yeah. much support from the global co-working community. There are a lot of people who are cheering you on and um, really want to support you. Um, how, I feel like there's a there's a nuance I want to get into there with with that kind of cultural um, bridge where you're between the entrepreneurial and the startup world and indigenous traditions and local customs and things that people need to be tuned into. Um, what do you what are some of the things you'd like to see in the space that will help facilitate that? Uh, I mean, I, I came up with the space firsthand because of the problems I was experiencing. Now, although I'm an Indigenous person, I was raised off of what we would call a reservation or a reserve. And so I never had a true connection in my personal experience to my communities. And so when I started looking for services and for options for support for entrepreneurship, I realized that a lot of our programs are in siphons and they don't work collectively as a whole. So even though I might, let's say, apply for five different programs, they don't speak to one another as well as I would hope to see as a community and business developer. So the idea is to use Canoe Coworking as this blueprint to show how community and collaboration can be done in the right way and scale up to something where larger or more communities can come to a space, either be it canoe or a larger social economic development type business space in the future and continue that good work. Nice. You mentioned last time we talked, or I guess it's been a few times ago, you talked about wanting there to be elders and a space for the elders within the space. Is that still part of your vision and, and why is, or was that? Important? Yeah. So it's actually cornerstone to, it's a cornerstone value that I carry within my space, which is um, our elders and our youth are really our, our driving factors here. So uh, I was taught, you know, take care of your elders and although respect them, question them at the same time. And I've been blessed with several, um, and elders can be either people related to you or people in high esteem that are recognized by their communities for the work that they've done and the guidance they provide. So having them be a cornerstone and be able to share that information, which for us was was really removed when um, several things happened, in, specifically in Canada, which is the residential schools and the 60s scoop, the day school programs. These are all things that could be hundreds of podcasts long, but it removed our culture from our identity. And so having that identity and that cultural piece is integral to the space. What are some of the other um, cornerstone values? I know you've been working on this for a while, put a lot of your heart and soul into it. It sounds so stereotypical, but really the golden rule and things that a human would just naturally ask for uh, respect. We have seven sacred teachings in my, in my culture that will be hopefully infused with that. But on a business level, which is where my coworking is going to cater to, it's making sure there's a sense of equality on both sides and that everyone feels empowered by the work that they're doing. 
and that community is seen as an asset instead of as a potential hindrance. Yeah, the the economic piece is a big part of this, right? Like there are organizations, there are there are different things that bring people together. You're saying and we're going to give you tools and and put this bridge between economic development and and indigenous people and there's a lot there. Um how are local organizations and people receiving the idea of canoe both on the kind of the municipal and economic development level and also with just the the local people. Yeah, so I've spent about the last year or so just educating the population. I live in a very conservative province, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it does take people because co-working isn't a really big movement here yet. It took people a while to understand the concept of co-working and then that added layer of cultural competencies that we are going to ask for in our space. But now that people are starting to understand what we're trying to accomplish, it's started to really change our prospects in terms of not only tenants, but investors and government, people that are really starting to identify, oh, this is the way of the future and we can make a collaborative impact in one space. Absolutely. I can't, I can't wait to see the, I envision myself oh, going to your there. opening party. <laughs> so be sure to let me know when that is. <laughs> this is such a cool project and it's a big challenge, right? Like a lot of space operators, their biggest challenge is educating people just about the concept of co-working. And you're taking that like five steps further. And I, I so admire it. And um, it's just, it's very cool and important stuff. And it's exciting to see you traveling around, spreading the, vi the vision for Indigenous co-working and what you're doing with Canoe. And I know you were in London recently. Do you want to tell me what, what that experience was like and what the response is from people not in North America to what you're doing? Sure. So I was invited to London to be a part of a panel and speaker on diversity and inclusion just overall, as well as in co-working spaces. And uh, the experience was absolutely phenomenal. And we had a really intimate group there. So there wasn't that many people for the actual event. But the questions that were being asked were really insightful. And I think a lot of people's eyes were being opened to how different cultures approach business differently. And that's not a bad thing. And we respect it in many other ways, which clothing or religion, all the ways we do things differently and how that can be empowering for those individuals. And I was also invited to a few other events, which were really fantastic. And again, the response was the same, which is we didn't know, or we didn't see why that was so hugely important to your independent people. And it really brought me personally onto an international stage, which I've never experienced. And it was an incrededly phenomenal um, I keep saying experience because that's all I can describe it as. But at the end of the day, it was really interesting to show people that to me personally, co-working is really seeing the value in people. And it's hard to monetize that in a way that let's say financers or investors, people within the community that see, you know, dollars and cents, you can't monetize people. At least I don't believe we should or could. And that to them 
was this foreign concept. So now that they're understanding, oh, there's a collective and that impact is going to be bigger than any kind of money we can put forward. How are we going to use this for good? Yeah. Um, you know, mentioned, you mentioned being on the international stage for the first time. You're bringing awareness to your town, but you're also bringing awareness of Indigenous co-working. You're opening this whole conversation within the global co-working movement. And from my perspective, I'm seeing a lot of support and kind of cheerleading for you. Um, are you feeling that? And I know that personally, this is a, this is a challenge. This is a big thing. You've been kind of grinding for a while trying to get this project going. Um, how are things going with you personally? What are you up against? I know you recently launched a crowdfunding campaign. I'd just love to hear what this is like from your perspective. Well, grinding would be a great, a great example. And the reality is, is I'm trying to be really open with my story of entrepreneurship and showing people kind of the real life behind, which is, it is a grind, it's exhausting, but it's also so empowering and exciting to see what what holding out really held for. I think if I had given up, I, it's something that I wouldn't have been able to ignore. I just would have kept going back to the project until it was done. So I'm happy I'm grinding it out. And then, like you said, I'm starting to see the support from the community now that they're understanding. Personally, it's been a challenge, uh, lots of growth, which I think is always important and lots of learning new skills and techniques. Even though my space isn't open, it's really cool to be, you know, and having to get used to saying I'm self-employed. Um, I was just in the States and the border agent asked what I did for a living. And when I said self-employed, it sounded so foreign, but the reality is I am. And yeah, with this crowdfunder, it's a slow start, but I haven't done anything stereotypically in the past. So I don't think I'll see stereotypical results in the future. <laughs> right, right. Um, so what, where are you in the process of opening? I know that one potential space fell through a while ago. Are, are you, um, do you have potential spaces or where are you in that process of getting Canoe open? Yeah. So, I mean, there's spaces that I've looked at as potential, but the reality is, is that without the solid capital basing that most people want, it's very difficult to source the space. So the crowdfunding is kind of three part. So not only is there capital being built, but it's also proof of concept to owners and investors who might be interested in having us in their space. So it's, it's a big tool for us, which is great. And then furthermore, um, our needs are quite unique in the sense that in our particular market, we're either too big or too small. So it's looking at either potentially maybe raising more funds to open a bigger location or scaling that back until we grow to need that space that we anticipate we'll be needing. You know, I think the the old school co-working people, the people who really launched this movement would say that you're doing it exactly right. You're building community. Like I'm sure it's, it probably feels too slow for you at times, but you're building community. You're working in public. You're working in community. Like you already have for what it's worth, like your, your social media following and stuff is already way bigger than spaces that are already open. So I just want to <laughs> give you a, a boost of support that 
Um, even though you, you bump into obstacles and I see and hear your frustration sometimes, um, what you're doing is in the kind of community minded co-working. I think those people would say you're doing it exactly right. Like building the community, making it so tight so that when you open the door, people are going to just walk right in, right? Not open it to crickets and hope that people will learn about you. Yeah. And that, that's actually something that I took away from kind of, I call them, you know, the, the founders or the people, um, you're one of them kind of like the people that are really making waves within co-working. So when I started researching co-working as a potential business option, I went, okay, well, I'd like a space, but I want a community more than I want a space. So I started seeking out those individuals that really put their focus on building community and what our social impact is. And it was actually Alex Hillman out of uh, Philadelphia at Indie Hall that I connected with almost just over two years ago with this month now where I started asking him these questions and he was gracious enough to answer them. And that's what really kickstarted it was, oh, there's more to this than meets the eye. And I do need to build the community because like you said, you can't just open your doors and hope. At least my investors wouldn't like that approach at all. <laughs> no, that that's not the best approach. And a lot of new space operators get hung up on like the interior design and the chairs <laughs> and things like that. And these are all important. Like I for sure want to have a, a decent chair to sit on if I'm going to be here all day, every day, right? Like that is important. And the reality is a good co-working community, that community exists what regardless of the space. Like I experienced that in my home co-working space a couple years ago the the management leadership was changing and shifting things really fell apart and i can say the only reason that we still exist is that the community held this thing together with everything we had it was awful in here and there was no reason whatsoever why this space should still be open except that we like hung on to each other for dear life because we all knew we had something special and then some ownership changes happen and all is great now. Like it's better than ever, but um, the community really was the whole thing. We would have gone anywhere and just still been our co-working community. Right. No. And, and I completely agree um, with my personal communities that I have relationships with indigenous speaking is that they are the ones, our communities are the ones that hold each other together. And, uh, People who have interviewed me or have spoken to me before often hear this, which is co-working to me was inspired by the indigenous peoples of the world, because although there was currency in the sense of trade and bartering, there was never, um, at least to my knowledge, I'm not the expert on currency history, but there was never um, an actual physical currency used outside of trade and bartering until um, the European cultures arrived and shared that information with us. So when you look at our history as a people, we're collaborative and our entire ecosystems and communities were built around this collaboration because without one person doing their diligence and raising all of them up, there wouldn't be a community to stand on. So having that foundation there of people who are able to do the hard work and help people 
whether they're at their peak or at their lows, is really what creates that balance that I want to see within the space, which is so exciting. And you talk about chairs and I can just, I physically see it now and it's so beautiful and I can't wait to get this done. (laughs) I can't wait for you. You know, that's so beautifully put. And on the one hand, co-working is kind of the darling of of the the world mm-hmm. right now, the workspace world. But it's so important to remember that it's way deeper than that. Like what what we're looking for is connection and a sense of belonging and to not be lonely and to have people around us. Like that's just such a core part of who we are that we've totally drifted from. And um, I appreciate that reminder that we're we're circling back to something. We're not forging something new here. It's so, so, so important. And I think we do that a lot with, I mean, you look at trends in clothing or architecture, whatever it is, we, we as a race tend to go back to old things because we enjoyed them for some reason or another. And of course, there's always going to be new technologies and things that go back or forward in the future, whether it be space exploration, things that we've never done before. But the core of humanity still stands on those pillars of community. So it's really interesting to see all in, you know, like you said, the darling of the workspace, it's very true. And people do believe it's a trend or a fad, but I think it's the best trend or fad that's not going to go away and will be here for a very long time. Yeah, I think so too. And not all spaces, as, as you well know, Mm -hmm. not all spaces are too concerned with the community aspect, you know, it's more about the amenities and, and just creating, and that's fine. I (laughs) I used to be more of a purist, but my mindset these days is like, whatever brings people together, like if some office dude feels comfortable and connected with other office people, that's great, right? Like that's one more connection in the world. One less person who's like sitting there in isolation and alone. And I know what types of spaces I like, you know, and, and it's not office rental spaces, but, um, all in all, I think it's, it's a good thing to connect people, especially as more of us work can work on our own. Like you said, you're self-employed and that is a a fun, cool shift when to shift into no boss land. I really have enjoyed that thoroughly. (laughs) (laughs) It has its ups and downs. Yep. You're responsible for everything, but um, I, I do like the the freedom for sure. Oh, absolutely. No, I wouldn't be able to do a lot of the projects that I'm working on now without that. You know, the thing is, it's when we have a little bit of flexibility and freedom, that's when we can envision stuff, right? That's when we get to pursue our passion and you get to do things like create Manitoba's first co-working space. If you were just working, you know, a nine to five, you may or may not even have the passion or bandwidth to do that. But it's like, I feel like it's so important to create a little space for ourselves so we can actually envision things and bring things into the world. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, for the people that start up going co-working spaces kind of on the side or, you know, the fly-by-nighters that do it by a shoestring, you know, after their day jobs, I... I am blown away and I'm blessed that I was able to have this time to kind of build my business. But I pour so much of myself into this community that I I am in awe of these individuals who do co-working spaces like that. 
Yep. Mm -hmm. As, as the side project, me too. Um, Tara, before we jump off, what have we skipped over that we really need to talk about, whether about canoe or something going on for you? Like, is there something that, uh, that we've missed that you want to make sure people know about? Yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, my story is pretty universal to anybody who is wanting to get into co-working and really following that passion to, if you can't find it, there's nothing saying it's going to be easy, but you can build it. And there will be others like you out there that come out of the woodworks in the most, oh, I'm so sorry, in the most random of places where you would have never expected support. Like I, I would have never have dreamed a year ago that I'd be going to London to do an international presentation on diversity and inclusion for coworking. Never in a million years. And so the world has this awesome ability to just blow you away. Right. And right. when it does, you need to embrace that. And when it doesn't, you need to be able to, and Kat knows this firsthand, struggle a little bit and reach out for help and ask and be gracious enough and humble enough to listen and apply that knowledge in a way that will help your business forward. Because at the end of the day, you're the only one who knows that and your co-working space. Yep. So true. All true. Okay, Tara, where can people find you? Where do you want to direct them? Okay. Well, where can you not find me? Actually, no, not really. Um, so I have a website. It's active, uh, If not, we are on social media like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and personally, uh, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn with Tara Everett or through uh, my personal Twitter, which is also Tara Everett. Awesome. Tara, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. And we will keep watching and supporting you in, in all the ways we can. Super. Well, I appreciate it, Kevin. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Coworking Out Loud podcast. I'd love to hear any ideas you have for future episodes. You can reach me through katjohnson.co. If you like what we're doing here, subscribe to the show and give us some stars through your favorite podcast app. Thanks. I'll talk to you soon.